And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come boldly this morning in Christ alone. Lord, we know that we come with nothing more than filthy rags. And yet we stand by grace alone in your strength. So Almighty Father, we pray that you would give us strength. We pray, gracious Lord, that you would forgive us for our sins and give us the strength and the mercy and the wisdom to forgive others. We pray this morning, provident God, that you would meet our needs. We know that you know us better than we know ourselves, every hair on our head. You know the worries of our hearts, the fear that grips our soul. Lord, meet our needs. Provident provider, provide. And sovereign King, may our desire be this morning for your kingdom to come and truly for your will to be done in our midst. Lord, without you, we are lost. We are weak. We are hopeless. We need you, Lord. It is in your strength this morning that we gather and hope that you give, that we rejoice, and grace that is ours in Christ, that we come boldly. Work this morning through your word, Lord. Show us where we are weak, point out where we have fallen, and turn us again to you by grace alone. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. On June 4th, 1940, Winston Churchill delivered perhaps his most famous speech. He was standing before the House of Commons, and there standing a desperate Churchill confidently addressed those before him. His message on that June day was a call for steadfast courage in the face of a great enemy. On their website, the Smithsonian does a good job of kind of setting the scene for us, helping us to understand the context in which this this speech was delivered. And they write this. The Allies had just pulled off the miracle of Dunkirk rescuing some 338,000 troops from a dire situation in France. But this victory was a hollow one. The soldiers were only saved thanks to a curious halt order from the German command, and the Nazis were just days away from entering Paris. Churchill knew he had to prepare his people for the possible fall of France. He also knew that he had to send a message to a reluctant ally across the pond. You see, though delivered to the House of Commons, this speech 
This famous speech was as much for the American people and for President Franklin Roosevelt as it was for the British people. In this speech, Churchill sought to exude strength and confidence and resilience so that the American people would see that this cause was not a lost cause, but it was a righteous and a worthy cause. So it's under these circumstances that Churchill famously delivered this speech. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to rescue, to the rescue and liberation of the old. The speech was stirring and well-received. In the face of a great enemy, in the face of shrinking odds, Churchill's confident courage was contagious. As we turn our attention this morning to Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13, Paul, much like Churchill in 1940, puts forth a confident call to arms. You see, brothers and sisters, our enemy too is great. In fact, he is even greater than the enemy that Churchill in England faced. But this morning we rejoice and we praise the Lord, for as we see in this passage, our God is greater. So based on who we are in Christ, as we've seen in Ephesians 1-3, to and based on what it looks like to live in Christian community, as we've seen in Ephesians 4 and 5, The message this morning is simply that you must stand fast in Christ. Know your power. Know your enemy. And know your goal. And above all, stand fast. So we begin with verses 10 to 11a. Know your power. Paul begins verse 10 with the, ver- with the word, finally. It is obvious that Paul now is moving towards the end of the book of Ephesians. But he's not moving forward with a whimper. Paul is strongly moving towards the end of Ephesians, rather than climaxing in the middle of the book and then descending to a conclusion. Ephesians continues to build all the way through, and its climax is here at the end. Finally, my brethren, taking all of this and putting it together, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. Stand fast in your identity in Christ. 
In fact, Paul's instruction here to be strong, it's really a command to be strengthened by the Lord. It's not a command for you to hit the gym and work out and you build your muscle and stand in your strength. Rather, the idea is you have strength at your disposal. Use it. Be strengthened by the Lord. Rely on Him. Stand fast in your identity. Know who you are in Christ. Be confident in knowing what that means. Really, the idea here is simply be strong in the faith. Know who you are. Know what you believe. Know what God has given you in Christ. What are some of these things that we should know? These things that strengthen us, these truths. Brothers and sisters, know that you are elect by God in eternity past. Ephesians 1, 1 1-14. Know that the devil has been defeated. Colossians 2, 13-15. Know that no matter what he says, you face no condemnation. Romans 8, 1. In fact, you can just keep moving on then through Romans 8. Know that you are a child of God. Romans 8, 12 to 17. Know that God's love is everlasting. Romans 8, 31 to 39. And he will never let you go. Know that you have been brought from death to life. And Christ alone, Ephesians 2. Know that you have been placed in a community. Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Know these truths. Cling to these truths. And be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. It's the idea of know what is available to you in Christ and then in the power of His might put it to good use. An illustration to help us kind of understand this phrase could be the idea of know your rights. Know your rights as an American citizen, right? Because when you, when you know your right to be strong in your knowledge of the law allows you then the power of the application of the law. Because I know what the law says, I know then what I can do. Because I know who I am in Christ, I know then the power that is backing me. That is in me, in Christ. In fact, it's similar to the command in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. This is God's power at work in me. Being strong in my faith allows me to be faithful in my practice as the Lord works through me. To be strong in the Lord is to know the truth and to be strong in the power of His might is to put it to good use. It is to stand confidently. How can I be strong in the Lord and the power of His might? In verse 11 here, we are first introduced to this idea of the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Lord willing, next week, we'll see more clearly what Paul means specifically by the armor of God as he walks us through that. In 
But for now, the idea here, all that we need to really be aware of is the fact that we have it and we should be using it. What Paul is getting at here is that is you have strength. The Lord has equipped you. So put on the whole armor of God. And it's not the idea of put on and take off as needed. It carries the idea of permanence. Put it on and keep it on because it is yours in Christ. You could even tie it back to Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new man. I would submit to you that putting on the new man is the same thing as putting on the armor of God. It is all tied back to who you are in Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. The Lord has provided all that you need. God has given you life in Christ and all that you need to then thrive in that life. So right here at the beginning, right from the start, Paul wants you to know that you have strength. Not in yourself, but going on with the whole message of Ephesians, what it has been building to is your strength is in Christ. So know your power. Secondly, know your enemy. Because Paul goes on, why do I need to put on the whole armor of God? Why do I need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Number one, that phrase there is to stand. It's repeated three times in this passage. The same word, same idea. Stand, withstand, stand down in verse uh, 13. It's the idea of to stand against, to offer resistance to, to stand without moving. You need this so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is not a a word that we use regularly throughout the day. It's the idea of crafty schemes. But even those words, I think, are a little bit too soft. Right? Crafty schemes. Maybe you think of a joking teenager, someone who's, who's playing a joke. It's crafty. They're scheming. But there is real evil and power behind this word. He is not viewed here. The devil is not viewed as weak or childish, but as incredibly powerful. He is cunning. And his desire is your destruction. And brothers and sisters, your only hope is in the power of God. It's in his armor, not in your strength. This is not the cunning or the wiles of just any enemy. It is the devil himself. Do you know that you face a very real and very powerful enemy? He is cunning. And this 1 Peter 5.8 goes on to tell us he is prowling. He is on the look like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
how many of us just kind of seem to float through the Christian life. Once you kind of get saved and, and you grow and that excitement kind of wears off, it just becomes a part of what you do. You come to church, you read your Bible, you do these things. It's not that you're not taking it seriously. It's just, it's normal. You get to a place where you are just floating. And can I tell you something, brothers and sisters in Christ, the devil is not just floating. He does not have a laissez-faire attitude. He takes seriously his desire to see your destruction. He is cunning. He is prowling. Do not take this lightly because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Again, the idea there of wrestle, whereas the idea of stand is to stand against, is to offer resilience, not to give an inch. The idea of wrestle is the idea of struggling against. It is very personal. It is hand-to-hand combat. And you are not struggling against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not physical or earthly. He cannot be defeated with a gun or a knife. Only with the cross of Christ. One commentator notes that the devil and these forces listed here may use humans and institutions to accomplish their goals but they can never be reduced solely to those manifestations. We must recognize our enemy not in these people or institutions, but behind them. He's cunning. He will use people. He will use things. He will twist them. He is great. But that's not even the end of this passage. It goes on. He's not alone. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against this cunning devil and against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We do not face a physical enemy, but a spiritual enemy. Warren Wearsby notes that these different titles indicate an army of demonic creatures that assist the devil in his evil schemes. They could be types or ranks of creatures in Satan's army, but the point here is that they are great in number and they are great in power. Much like Churchill in 1940, As there is fear in the air, and he is letting people know there is a real enemy out there. We need to take this seriously, but we will not give in. So Paul, too, here is pleading with you, brothers and sisters, know your enemy. He does not take this lightly. He hates. And he is not alone.
is a great enemy. And yet, as we've already seen, praise the Lord, our God is greater and he has equipped us for this battle. Our enemy is great, but our God is greater. And our hope is sure. Know the strength that you have in the Lord. Know the enemy that you face. And finally, know your goal. What is the end of this? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Just an interesting observation. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13 says, take up the whole armor of God. This armor that you have put on, Paul's assuming here, put it to use. Take it up into battle. Use it. The whole armor of God. Again, both times that we see the armor of God in this passage, it is accompanied by the word whole. Every single piece is important. Don't just pick and choose. I like this piece. I don't like that piece. Put on the whole armor of God. All that the Lord has provided. That you may be able to withstand. The only hope that you have to stand is in the strength of the Lord. Without everything that the Lord has given you, you cannot stand. That you may be able to withstand, to stand your ground... Again, the implication here is of attacks, the ability to stand against them. Think of the skill of a skilled swordsman who is parrying away sword attacks, standing, not moving, not giving ground. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day. When is the evil day? What is Paul talking about here? The evil day is really these days in which we are living, the time between Jesus' coming, his incarnation, and his second coming. But specifically, in these evil days, I would submit that Paul's even targeting specific days during that time when you will face intense attacks. All of these days are evil. And yet you know that there are days when you face more temptation than others. There's not one day when you face no temptation. But the devil and his army is at work. And there are days when they are attacking at full force. And when that day comes, when it keeps coming, and every day in between till Christ comes, stand fast in the whole armor of God. Notice something else that Paul says here. I guess I should say doesn't say. He doesn't say, when the evil day comes, put on the whole armor of God. He says, put it on now, so that when it comes, you can be ready. 
Don't start fighting temptation when it shows up. Be prepared. As the saying goes, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. You see, success is not something that you fall into. It takes planning. It takes purpose. A successful day begins the night before with getting a good night's sleep. Academic success begins early with academic discipline. If you wait till last week, when it's finals week, and that's when you start studying, you're going to be in trouble. It starts early in the semester, before the semester even begins. Be ready. Be planning. Build habits of discipline. As the Newmans are finding out right now, moving. It's a lot of planning. Be prepared. If we all show up on the 25th and they're just then starting to think about it, there's going to be a problem. But knowing the Newmans, they're way ahead. It takes planning. Don't wait till the last moment. Don't wait till it's too late. Start now. Be prepared so that when that day comes, you stand ready, skilled, prepared. In the evil day, and having done all to stand. Do all you can. Memorize the Word of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Set up accountability. Pray early and often. Do all of that now. So that in that evil day, in these evil days, and in a specific evil day when the devil comes with huge temptations against you, you are not caught by surprise, but you stand ready with Scripture on your mind with someone you can reach out to, a body of believers around you who love and who care for you and who are upholding you. And having done all to stand. In the end, after everything, to still be found standing, unmoved, I can't help but think of the story surrounding the the writing of the Star-Spangled Banner, our national anthem. I don't know if you know that story or not. This Francis Scott Key is on a ship overlooking Fort McHenry as it is getting bombarded all night long. And in the morning, as the fog clears and the sun rises up, he looks out expecting to see nothing, and yet there flies still the flag, still standing. How encouraging and inspired. In fact, he was inspired to pen the first verse of the Star-Spangled Banner. Brothers and sisters, after everything, stand firm, not in your strength. 
but in the strength of your almighty Father. A couple points of application as we come to the end of this passage. Number one, in your Christian life, are you trying to stand in your own strength? Are you trying to grow in your own strength? If so, you will fall. Your hope is not in being strong enough to resist temptation. Your hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ and his strength. Your enemy is great, and yet your enemy is powerless in the presence of your Savior. So be strong in the Lord. And to be strong in the Lord is to know who you are in Christ and to stand secure in Him. Rest in those truths, confident in His strength. You say, well, what does that look like practically? Number one, confess your sin to your merciful and gracious Savior. Know that He is a God who stands ready and willing to forgive. Don't let that linger inside. Secondly, submit to your Savior. Know that His will is your best and His strength is your power. And along those same lines, know His Word. Know His promises. Love His church. Dr. Newman once said, I don't remember exactly where you said this, I just remember you saying it, uh, and it stuck out to me. You can only draw on what you know of Scripture. If you don't know his word, you can't wield his word. How do you stand fast remembering some of these truths that we just rehearsed to each other, that you are elect, the devil has been defeated, you face no condemnation, you are a child of God, God's love is everlasting, he will never give up on you. How do you stand fast in those truths if you don't know those truths? The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It equips us for what the Lord has called us to. So how can I start to be strong in the Lord today? Know His Word. And secondly, realizing that your strength is not in yourself, and that the source of your strength is what God has given you in Christ, suit up then for war. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Think not too highly of yourselves. Know your circumstances that you are a fallen being living in a fallen world. Don't be caught by surprise when temptation comes. But be prepared. Stand ready, secure, confident. 
fully equipped for whatever lies ahead. Do not let up for even one second because not only is your enemy great, but he is on the prowl. In fact, a question to ask yourself along these same lines. What does your life say about your faith or about your strength? Are you ready for temptation to come? For your great enemy and his army to attack? Do you have a Laos fair Christianity? Just going through the motions, just rolling on. Or are you battle-ready, purposeful, resilient in your faith? I think we'd all be inclined to answer, well, yeah, I'm battle-ready. What would those who know you best say? What would your children, your spouse, your co-workers, your friends, your family, what would they say? Would they say that your faith is merely a hat that you put on on Sundays? Or is it real? Because I can guarantee you that your enemy is real and he is not taking lightly. Finally, brothers and sisters, stand fast. Know that Jesus will complete what he has begun. Your strength is Christ's, your equipping is from Christ, and your success will be in Christ. Let me comfort you with this truth that you will be found standing if you are found in Christ. You see, the question this morning after all of this is not how strong or disciplined are you The question is, who are you? Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? In his strength or in your own strength? Are you a dead man still trying to bring himself to life through good works? By the grace of God, have you been brought to life through faith in Christ alone? Do you have the spirit who indwells you? Are you in a position growing where he can fill you and work in you and through you? I would call you this morning. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you're sitting out there this morning and you think, maybe I am just going through the motions. Maybe it's not real. then search your heart and be honest with you and come forward and talk to me and I would love nothing more than to take you aside and answer whatever questions you may be, you may have. To do nothing more than to point you to Jesus Christ and to show you the strength that you can have in him. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ and yet this morning you recognize that you are not taking it very seriously, That you are just rolling through life without a single care. Then I would call you this morning to take seriously 
who you are in Christ. Take seriously your call to put on the whole armor of God because there is a great enemy out there. And yet your hope is not in yourself, but is in the strength of your Lord. And know this, that he will hold you fast.